Thank you, Derek. No, that's mine. Yeah, it's mine. I always love coming here. Daryl and Denise, you missed it last time I was here. I did a nice twirl as I came out of the backstage. But now as I'm standing there during the worship, I'm looking at this door here. And I'm going, what is behind here? What's this? Is this like a windmill? Oh, there's a chair. No, it's not very exciting, guys. Just to let you know, (laughs) there's nothing exciting in there. Hey, it's so good to be back here um, with my Pukekohe family, and um, I just feel, I feel super blessed that I was only here, like, I don't know, was it like a month or six weeks ago I was here and was able to come and be with you guys, so um, I'm stoked that I get to be back. I'm a little bit spoiled here now, and um, <clears throat> before I start my message this morning, I just want to say, how amazing are your pastors, Daryl and Denise? Come on, give them a hand. I just think um, these guys have labored, have labored with planting this campus and have done the most incredible job. And I don't think there uh, is anyone who is more hardworking than these guys. And just as I was standing backstage in, in my little corner here, there's little windows. I, I was so tempted to, like, poke my arms out through these windows. But anyway, this is, place is like a playland. Um, <laughs> as I was standing backstage, just listening to the video and stuff, I was just thinking about Daryl and Denise. And I'm reading in Proverbs at the moment. And, you know, Proverbs talks a lot about the blessing of God that comes to people who aren't slackers. And I reckon there's a blessing of God coming to not just Daryl and Denise, but this church. Um, And I'm so excited about the new building and being able to go in there. I think it's just going to explode. And, um, yeah, it's just cool and exciting. So get behind these guys. Love them, support them, and um, give them lots of coffee and help them out with lots of things because they need it. All right. Uh, We are in... Um, part three of a very interesting series that we do every year in our church across all six of our locations, a series called You Asked For It, and you've already had two weeks of it with Daryl and Denise bringing some powerful messages over the last couple of weeks, and I'm excited to be able to bring this third one, and and essentially, if you're you're new, if it's your first time and you're not sure what's going on, uh, we... Um, what we do is we put out an opportunity for you guys to ask questions and suggest topics. So you can't blame us if you don't like what we talk about because you asked for it, all right? And uh, there was a huge number of questions that came in, a lot of suggestions that we kind of went through to determine what would be the topics that we would speak about this year. And I'm attempting this morning to speak about the most difficult And the weightiest topic that not only have I ever prepared a message for, but probably in the entire history of our church that someone has had to speak on. Um, And so as understandable, um, with what's going on in our government at the moment, with the uh, first reading that has recently taken place of the abortion law, there there was a number of questions that came through about... Uh, what Christians, what God thinks, what our church thinks about abortion. And so with your prayers this morning, I'm going to be attempting um, to answer some of those questions today. We're going to be looking at what should Christians think about this, what does God think about this, what does the Bible say about this, and how should we respond to this? Um, 
I do this incredibly prayerfully. And um, as I've carried this over the last month, it has been probably one of the weightiest things that I've done. Um, this is a huge topic. And so I just ask for your prayers today as I um, step into this message. I want to begin, though, by letting you know that I'm in no way an expert on this issue. Absolutely not. And I will not be able to do it justice in the 27 minutes and 15 seconds that I have remaining today. Uh, I have read and I have researched and I have done a lot of preparation as I have put this uh, message together and I have watched the political debate that's been happening. I have watched um, a number of TED Talks. I have read medical articles. I have read research articles. I have looked at arguments for and against on this issue. I've also been able to sit and hear stories of people who have walked this journey at a very personal level. Um, and I've also been able to lean on the expertise and the wisdom and experience of my mother, who was a pregnancy, a crisis pregnancy counsellor for the last 20 years. As I said, I won't be able to do this topic justice, and I, I'm not even close to having all the answers. In fact, when we leave, we may all have more questions um, following on from this discussion. As a church, I just want to also let you know on behalf of the leadership of our church and of Daryl and Denise, we actually wouldn't normally speak from the platform about all the different bills and things going through our parliament. It's If you're new here and you've come for the first time and this is your first time showing up in church, welcome. Uh, <laughs> we don't normally discuss topics like this. But as an issue of life or death, we believe as a leadership that it is our responsibility to have a voice on this issue. And so that is what I'm presenting to you today. I also want to let you know that my heart for this message is that I would bring it with grace. I don't want anyone, anyone in this room to walk out of here feeling in any way judged or condemned or shamed. That is not my heart at all. I understand that in a room this size, there will be a number of women that have firsthand journeyed through an abortion. And there'll also be a number of men who have journeyed alongside a partner who has gone through a termination. I understand that this topic is complex. It's got many facets to it, and I understand that it carries with it, for lots of people, a lot of pain. I understand that everyone has a story, and that everyone's story is different, and that everyone's story is worthy of being heard. And I understand that this is something that unless you have had to sit in that seat, you may never understand the turmoil of what it means to make that decision. We want you to know today that we love you, that God loves you, and that his heart is for you. I am simply a woman. I am a mother. But perhaps more importantly on the platform that I'm standing in today in the context of this discussion, I am a Christian who is simply trying to do what I think you would be trying to do in this day and age, and that is to come to an understanding as to how do we 
stand firm and love well in this shifting culture of compromise that we live in today. So before I get into the details, I think it's probably a really great idea if I pray, because Lord knows we need it. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that your presence is here with us. God, we lift this discussion to you today. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a picture of your heart for this topic. We ask for your love, your understanding, and your wisdom to shine through. Help me, Lord, as I communicate with both grace and truth. We so need you, Jesus. Amen. In order to bring everybody up to the same page, I don't know what people's level of understanding is or what we've been watching or reading in the news about what's going on in our government at the moment. So I thought I'd just update everybody and just get everyone onto the same page so that everybody in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about um, and give you some information about that. The bill that was presented to Parliament um, in August uh, looks to amend the law to decriminalise abortion in New Zealand. It was first introduced to Parliament on the 5th of August. It passed its first reading on the 8th of August. It's now at Select Committee, and I understand that submissions from the public closed on the 19th um, just last week. Um, I'm not sure, though, if you can still um, submit to MPs. I would just do that um, and encourage you to do so. Uh, the government has proposed a policy shift to treat abortion as a health issue rather than a criminal issue. So this would involve removing the criminal offences regarding abortion and treating abortion like any other health service, which are governed by general health laws and uh, professional guidance. I think that, though, what we need to take note here is that under the current law, as it is right now, it, in the, it is a crime to perform an abortion unlawfully, or it is also a crime to um, assist with or provide instruments that would, or drugs that would help someone perform an abortion unlawfully. However, women are explicitly exempt from liability, which means that a woman can't be criminally charged for receiving a, um, for having an abortion under the Crimes Act of 1961. Importantly, since 1977, when the current law was enacted, the Ministry of Justice has no record of any woman ever being convicted for receiving an unlawful abortion. The focus of this um, policy shift is primarily and entirely focused on the well-being of the woman seeking the abortion. The government seeks to um, remove any element of censure that the criminal law entails. And uh, what it does is it makes a, an abortion more accessible with fewer delays. Under the current cr law, the current um, Crimes Act of 1961, an unborn child is afforded some, it's limited, but some protection and some recognition, some legal protection and recognition. In contrast to this, with the new bill that's being proposed at the moment, treating abortion as a health issue and removing it from the Crimes Act where it sits right now gives the unborn child the same status as an appendix or the tonsils or the gallbladder, simply tissue that needs to be removed as part of a health procedure. So what would this mean in terms of what would this law permit? 
So up to 20 weeks, it means that an, an abortion could take place for any reason. Um, there's no test to determine whether it's an eligible reason or not. Abortions would um, be available with no restrictions and no statutory criteria. After the 20-week mark, there would be tests, but it's minimal, it's limited. Um, it's, the testing is broad. Um, abortions would be available if only one practitioner, usually the practitioner that would um, be performing the abortion, deems that it's reasonable based on the woman's mental health and well-being. There is a whole lot more <laughs> to this bill that I, I'm not able, I just don't have time to talk about today, and there's a lot of things that it could mean or not mean um, to a whole bunch of different parties. There's just a whole lot to it. And I would actually encourage you, because it is such a huge issue, to follow along with what is going on. There's a great website, which we're going to put up at the... Um, I'll put up a slide at the end um, that Family First have put out. So there's a Family First website, familyfirst.org.nz. They have put out a kind of like a campaign called Love Them Both. And um, it's really, really good in that um, I am not a political kind of, I don't think sort of politically. Um, I got a C in my political document that I, in paper that I had to do for my Bachelor of Education. So that was like in politics, that was my, my, my lowest of the low. But I understand this website. So um, super easy to understand and get on board with. And, and I just really encourage you, if you want to look into it more, that is a great place to go. But looking at some statistics, I thought in order to give us a picture of what this um, topic, uh, what this issue is, um, what it looks like in New Zealand, I thought we just probably would, would be a good idea to just look at some statistics for abortion rates in New Zealand. Um, for 2018, and there were 13,282 13, induced abortions performed in New Zealand last year. 52% of all those abortions were for women aged in their 20s. 38% were for women in their 30s or over. The median age last year for a woman having an abortion was 27 years and 7 months. 60% um, of the abortions were performed in the 10th week, while 19% of all known pregnancies, that's live births, stillbirths and abortions, ended in abortions. 19% of pregnancies last year ended in an abortion. I think what struck me um, as I was doing my research into this issue is that it's a commonly held assumption that this is an issue that's mainly faced by teenage girls. And uh, it's, it's a predicament that a teenage girl finds herself in when she unfortunately accidentally becomes pregnant and has an unplanned pregnancy. Um, when people think of an abortion, we automatically envisage irresponsible teenagers using this as a means for um, contraception. But the research doesn't actually, and the, and the statistics doesn't really support that stereotype. Um, about one in four Kiwi women are estimated to have had terminated a pregnancy, which means that probably every single one of us here knows someone who has. And if we don't know, then it's probably because they haven't felt like they could tell us. I have learnt that there are many, many different reasons there are so many different stories behind a decision, and they vary in complexity. And uh, for someone to want to make that choice to have an abortion, yes, being too young 
and um, not being ready for it is absolutely one of the reasons, but not wanting to disrupt career or study is also one of the reasons. Um, having a partner who doesn't want a child, being in a relationship that is uh, violent or unhealthy, um, not being in a relationship at all, so someone who finds himself in this situation alone. Um, there are a number of different abortions that come through a pregnancy that's happened through an affair. Um, there's financial reasons. People can't afford it. Um, there's don't, uh, doesn't want any more children, so he's got a number of children already and doesn't want any more pregnancy through an act of sexual violence such as rape. Complications and deformities with the baby health complications with the woman or an accidental pregnancy in the postpartum stages of a prior pregnancy. And in most cases, in most cases, the women have felt like there is just no other option for them to take. And I have to admit in listening to and reading some of the stories that I've read over the last month, I have to admit that there are certain extreme cases where I sit there and I find myself with huge empathy for her, where I've sat there and I've, I've gone, even as I've sat there with a person and as I've sat there reading it on paper, I've gone, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you were in that position that you had to make that decision that you felt like that that was the only choice that you had to make. But what we have to understand about the law that's going through, that the bill that's going through our government at the moment, is that this is a discussion that isn't just about the extreme cases. This is about changing the law for all cases. And I think we have to take that into consideration. So as Christians, where should we sit on this issue? Well, we live in a society today that just loves opinions, don't we? Everyone has a platform nowadays, right? Because of social media and the access that we have to all sorts of different social media platforms that literally throws your voice out to everybody. You don't need a microphone to voice your opinion nowadays. You just need Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, everybody has a platform to be able to speak and we have become a society that's obsessed with comments and posts and likes and tweets and retweets and shares and reshares and whatever you do. Um, but we seem to now be in a world where whoever can defend their, their opinion or their view the loudest wins. And as I sat at my dinner table, I came to understand this. I sat there with um, different screens open to different um, talks and videos and research reports and all sorts of different things. And I sat there kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed by everyone's opinions about it. And what I realized in that moment was it actually doesn't matter what that person on TED Talks thinks. And it doesn't matter what my favorite celebrity thinks. And look, let's be honest, while you guys might be interested, it doesn't even matter what I think. Because if I'm a Christian and I'm committing my life to loving God, knowing Him and serving Him, then it 100% matters what He thinks. And the primary way that we discover what God thinks on an issue like this and other issues is to look to the Word of God. He has given us his word as a guideline 
to give us some guidance on topics and issues like this one. So let's rephrase the question because it really doesn't matter what we think. Let's ask, what does the Bible say? What does God think about this? <clears throat> so the Bible doesn't actually mention the word abortion. Well, that was helpful, wasn't it? <laughs> but it does say a number of things about God being the giver of life. And it does say a number of things about the born and the unborn. God, in his word, there are a number of scriptures that will give us a framework to be able to establish a viewpoint as Christians on this issue. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at some of the things that are in Scripture that God has given us that can help us shape our views and opinions. So the first thing is, is that God is the giver of life. God is the giver of life. God took the dark and formless nothingness and he made all things, including man. From dust, God created the first man. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. From nothing, he gave humanity life. Life can't happen without the power of God breathing it into existence. Isaiah 42, 5 says, This is what God the Lord says, the creator of heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. The most significant debate on this topic is the question of where does life begin? Is the unborn child fully human or is it tissue? It can't be both. So where does human existence begin? Well, science says that from day one, every, from fertilization, every human chromosome is present for life to begin. At 19 days, a heart starts to beat, and a baby has its own blood type, often different from the mother carrying it, him or her. By the end of week three, the baby's backbone, spinal column, and nervous system has begun to develop. The liver, kidneys, intestines are beginning to take shape. All of this before a pregnancy is even discovered. Now, because the Bible so clearly shows that God is the giver of life, I have to only conclude myself that he is for life. He is for life life. The second thing that we discover that God um, helps us see in his word on this topic is that all life is precious to and known by God. All life is precious to and known by God. On the sixth day of creation, God's last act was to create humankind. He made man in his image and not to resemble any other creature that roamed the earth. And I think you and I should be thankful for that, that we are not made to resemble anything other than our creator, right? Humankind has been made to reflect the image of our God. Genesis 1, 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. Now, 
um, biblical scholars translate that, translate that phrase, created in his image, to say created as his image. So it's not just that we're like him. We are created to resemble him in every way, shape, and form. We are created to be just as our creator is. We are created to resemble him in every way. All of God's creation is a representation of him. All of humanity, therefore, is valuable to the creator. Scripture contends that life begins before birth. And it does that um, in a number of different ways. In one uh, passage of Scripture, we see that God reminds um, Jeremiah the prophet of just how valuable he is to our God. It, it talks about in this passage, it talks about the born and the unborn being um, spoken about interchangeably. And God reminds Jeremiah the prophet, he reminds him that he knew him before he was born. He reminds him that he called him before he was even born. It says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. King David also wrote about this. He wrote about how God knew him as fully human before he was born. In Psalm 139 verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw my unformed body. That's verse 16. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, because the Bible clearly shows that all life is precious to and known by God, I can only conclude that God is for life. He is for life. Number three. Number three, and this is a really important one. God's heart is toward the vulnerable. God's heart is toward the vulnerable. The Bible is chock full of passages that reveal God's heart for those in need, those that are vulnerable. And Psalm, I've just listed just four, but there's so many more. Um, Psalm 82 verse 3 says, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. In Psalm 82 it says, Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Proverbs 31 says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Isaiah 1 verse 17 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. Now, it would seem to me that the unborn child is the most vulnerable of all humans. They are the ones that need our protection the most. They are the ones who have no voice and need someone to speak on their behalf. Now, because the Bible so speaks so much about God's heart toward the vulnerable, I can only conclude that his heart must be directed and steered toward the most vulnerable of all, and therefore he is for life. So as a Christian, and look, it's okay if you and I disagree today, but as a Christian, the only position that I can with good conscience take on this issue is that I am for life. Now, some may sit here and say, oh, well, Bex, that must mean if you're for life, it must mean that you're anti-choice. No, 
I'm not that either. I'm for choice too. I'm both. I'm for both. I, I am a woman, so I'm real stoked about having choice about what happens with my own body. It's just that some choices affect others. And I think that's something we teach our children as they grow and mature as human beings and as the way that we see and act and do the world is that we teach them that their decisions have consequence, have uh, effect on other people. And this is just one of those areas where our decision affects another. I am for both. I am for the well-being of the mother to be and the well-being of the uh, well-being of the unborn child. I am for looking at ways we can support, care for and commit to adding structure to our legislation that gives women the support she feels like she doesn't have so that this decision isn't the doesn't feel like her only choice to make. So how are we to respond to this issue? When you're in the lunchroom at work or in your university lecture and this comes up and a question is asked and that, and it will be because as the, it, it will come up as the government begins to put a bit of a spotlight on it right now and it's highlighted in the media. We will find that it's something people want us as Christians to engage in. In fact, they'll probably want you to engage in it more. So how do we respond? How do we engage? This is my greatest advice for you. Number four, we do it with a full measure of both grace and truth. A full measure of both, both grace and truth. You know, sometimes as Christians, when we're faced with a culture of compromise, we can struggle to know how to both stand firm and love well. We either become so weighted toward grace that we kind of begin to live in anything-goes Christianity, and we sort of end up with everything being very, very compromised. Or we become so weighted toward truth that we sit up there on our high horse, and instead of drawing people to God, we kind of kick them away with our self-righteous opinions and voice. But I see in my Bible where Jesus shows us how to do them both well. In the Gospel of John, John describes Jesus like this. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He repeats it again in verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came. Through Jesus Christ. Jesus flipped the script on everything. John says, full of grace of truth, not the balance between the two, but the full embodiment of both. Jesus didn't come to strike a balance. He's not doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He's bringing the full measure of both. The worship team can come and join me now. Chris Hodges writes a book called The Daniel Dilemma. And uh, he, he says in this, in this book, he says, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. I'm going to pop up a slide now on the screen. And um, it's got the website that I mentioned um, initially, the www.familyfirst.org.nz, and there's a love them both, which is the campaign that they've got. The second website that I've popped up there, pregnancycounseling.org.nz, is the, pregnancy, the crisis pregnancy counselling service that I mentioned that my mum worked for for 20 years. 
And there's the, um, the phone number there is a 24-hour crisis line. And it legit is 24 hours because I know because my mum would, I'd find her sitting up on the phone at two in the morning um, speaking to a woman in desperate need. And I just want to encourage you, even if this isn't a journey you've walked through or are walking through firsthand, I want to encourage you that one of our responsibilities as Christians is not just to um, be able to respond and speak speak with a voice about it, but it's actually to journey with people. And this will help you journey with people because if someone needs this, then I would love for you to be able to have the right resources and tools to be able to direct people there. So even if this is not something that affects you firsthand, maybe write that down. Now, you may be sitting in the room today having had a first-time experience with abortion. And my prayer is that you have not felt shamed in any way please know that's not my heart. I don't want anyone in this room to feel judged or condemned. My Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you may be sitting here feeling a deep sense of regret or loss or grief. Can I tell you today that God isn't just for life. He is for you. He sees you and he knows you. And he knows your story. He knows every detail. And he offers us all forgiveness and restoration. And often when we feel like something is broken, it can be really hard to be able to see it again and see how everything's going to be okay and see how it's going to feel right again. It can be hard to see beyond that brokenness. I want to tell you today that our God is a God who is fully able and fully capable of taking something broken and making it whole again, of taking a really messed up story and turning it into something that is quite transformational, not just for you, but for those in your world. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Listen, he's not just for life. He's for a new life. And I want to take a moment now, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment, because listen, we've all fallen short. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes, we've all walked away from God, we've all tried to do this thing on our own. And that sin, it separates us from God. It removes us from relationship with Him. God's greatest desire is that He would be in eternal relationship with you. And so, by His grace, He sent His Son, Jesus, not so that He could shower condemnation or judgment on us, but so that He could give us, through His grace and His mercy, the gift of forgiveness, new life, and eternal life in Him. And today He extends to you His forgiveness and grace. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you are sitting here today and you are saying, Bex, I need that new life in Christ. I've walked away from Him. Maybe you were with him, you know, been 
a Christian a long time ago and you've walked away from God and you just know in this place, or maybe you've never been in church before, but this is your day. You know this is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. And all you need to do is pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. But really make it your own. Make it your own prayer. We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you for your forgiveness today. I choose this day to follow you. I want to give you my whole life. Would you come in, be my Lord and my Savior today? Thank you that I have new life and a hope and purpose in you. Just with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you just to take a step of faith. Faith. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. All I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to get you to lift your hand. I'm going to see you, and then you can just pop it straight back down. Number one, I want to celebrate what you've done because I'm so proud of you, and I think that is the best decision you could ever make today. And number two, we want to be able to help you on your journey if you want some help. So on the count of three, are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Hands going up. Awesome. Anybody else? Amazing. Awesome. I see your hand. See your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who takes broken things and you make them whole. God, I thank you for the lives that have been changed and transformed today. And I thank you that right now, kicking off in heaven is a party, a celebration. And on every balloon is the name of these people that raise their hands in Jesus' name. Come on, church, why don't you celebrate what God's done today? Can we thank Pastor Baxter? What a great message. Come on, big round of applause. Not an easy message this morning. So good. Fantastic. Hey, can I say, church, if, if, if you just lifted your hand and said to, said to Jesus, count me in with this thing of being a Christian and going forward. What I want you to do is right in front of you right now, we've, you'll see an Orange Connect card here. And, and we would love to be able to help you on this journey and to be able to connect you in and to a group that can support with you and pray with you and, and get you started on this journey. So, so what I'd like you to do right now is just to, to invite you to take a moment and to grab a pen in front of you and, and fill out that Connect card there. You can tick the box that I just said yes to Jesus or or maybe you're here for the very first time and, and you're new to Elam and, and you'd like to connect with us as well. We, you can fill that out because in, in a few moments now, we're going to pass around some buckets um, uh, to receive our giving this morning. You can pop this in the bucket there or you can drop it off at the, the drop box at the door. But, but I really want to encourage you, if you've got an amazing prayer or if you've got a prayer request or, or maybe God is doing some incredible things in your, in your life and in your world, you can quickly take some time right now to fill that out and pop that in the bucket as that comes around shortly. But wasn't that, mate? I think we should give Pastor Bex another round of applause. That was just an outstanding message. Outstanding message. Our church just... Uh, I want to let you know about a couple of events that are coming up in the life of our church. And, and last week, we had an incredible message about standing up for the Lord and for God and what that looks like and going through the steps of water baptism. And, and I want to let you know that straight after our service, uh, uh, Cheryl will be at the front here and, and she's just going to run a 15 to 20 minute of what it means to be water baptized and what you can expect and what the Bible says. So, so for all those who put your hands up last week, I want to get you to connect with Cheryl and we're going to walk you through that because next week, 
we're going to be baptizing loads and loads of people uh, that have said yes to Jesus and taking that step of following him in water baptism. I reckon that's worth a bit of a shout right there, I reckon. Hallelujah. That's so good. Hey, the second thing I want to let you know about everybody is, is for all our men, we have a Valiant Man course starting very, very shortly. And, uh, and that's an incredible course to, to help men and teach, you, uh, teach us some skills and uh, with a great toolbox about what it, lo- what it looks like to be a man of integrity in our world today with all the pressures and everything that's going on. Uh, so men, I'd like to encourage you to, to pop into the info desk after our services. We'll pop your name down for that. That will be absolutely life transforming and set you up for the future of living God's way as a bloke in our world. I think that's going to be an amazing, amazing course. And church, as we prepare to receive your giving right now, and uh, I'd like to just uh, tell you about a quick story about uh, some people that I know. And, and I've embarked out on, uh, on in a business opportunity. And, and, and as I've watched them over the last few years, it, it's been amazing to see uh, that how, how people find their, find their niche in life. You, you know, they've, they've found something and, and they've decided to make this, uh, this business is, is something that God has led them to. And, and, but here's, 